Hit Radio 100. My name is Raiden Carter, and a good afternoon to you. Four o'clock just hit, and that means we welcome into the studio Independent Guahan for our second episode today. And in the studio, we've got Michael Luhan Bavakwa. Hey, buenas, half a day. And we have got special guest. Also, Lawrence Azama is here today. Half a day, Torres Hamzu. Hi, and welcome, Independent Guahan. And today, they take over for their second episode. And today is all about education. And I'm going to let Michael take it away from here. Thank you. You will get your studio back in one hour from now. But until then, until the five, until five o'clock, it is ours. Sidus Masi Tatlu Carter. Inanusi Michael Luhan Bavakwa. I am the co-chair for Independent Guahan. And this is our second episode of the Decolonization Conversation. This is a collaboration between Hit Radio 100 Guam and Independent Guahan. And it's supported by the Commission on Decolonization. This is part of our effort to get the message out about political status change, self-determination, and independence to as many people as possible. And so if you are interested in joining the decolonization conversation, you can follow Independent Guahan on social media, on Facebook, on Instagram, on Twitter. And as soon as lockdown ends and get, things get back to normal, Independent Guahan has a lot of community activities that you're also welcome to join. But in the meantime, we're looking for every way that we can to still get the conversation about decolonization out there. And so follow us on social media. We have regular live stream events. We have regular podcasts. And for the month of September, every Saturday from 4 to 5 p.m., you can join us here on Hit Radio 100, where we're going to be talking about what is decolonization? What, how does it affect us? How can it improve our lives? How can we think about this in terms of a better future for the people of this island? And so with that, I want to hand it over, hand the mic over to Lawrence Lazama so that he can take us away for this episode. Sidus Masitalu. Okay, day, Torres Hamzu again. Well, I see Lawrence Lazama. I'm also a co-chair for Independent Guans Media Committee. Uh, I've also been producer for the Fanatsu podcast, which you can follow us on on Facebook um, for the past... I've been there for the past year already now, something like that. But uh, yeah, so... That was a, you know, being a podcast producer has given me a lot of conversations uh, with educators and seeing how they're able to implement um, topics of decolonization into their curriculum, into the classroom, and really bring attention and awareness to those issues. And I would like to start off by just talking about my experience uh, at UOG, because currently I'm a Tomorrow Studies major. Uh, earning my bachelor's in that right now, and from my experience there, I've really, I've really learned uh, the different dynamics uh, f- focusing on our political status, focusing on the issues regarding uh, cultural preservation. So it's it's really been this journey at uh, UOG for me. Uh, it's been really enlightening. Uh, it gives me it gives me a way to really reconnect uh, with my ancestors, uh, reconnect with these narratives that, um, you know, may have been silenced before. So, yeah, right now I'm taking courses, uh, focusing on history, um, focusing on, um, 
you know, cultural topics. And what I learned from those classes, they've really given me a foundation to be able to talk about um, these topics of decolonization from a critical standpoint. Um, being able to analyze and really figure out a narrative for myself as well. Um, yeah, so learning all of those uh, within these past like three years already, uh, it also um, gives me a sense of strength. Uh, this source of strength um, that I feel comes from knowing who I am, knowing, um, knowing my past, um, and really understanding the perspectives of our people. <clears throat> um, so in, in this journey that I have through uh, education, it's been able to give me um, to pass down that knowledge uh, to, to, into my work also. So right now, um, I'm currently working for Sanctuary, uh, Nafimalik Youth Program. And what we do, really, we try to provide coping me mechanisms for our youth, especially the focus of this group is um, they're usually at-risk youth. So they're already coming from these home environments that are uh, not necessarily the best, uh, but we, we try to get them to really connect to their culture, be grounded in their culture, uh, be grounded in our history, and then also uh, use, using that for them to really feel that they can go out into the world and deal with certain issues that otherwise they wouldn't be able to without their culture. So what we're doing right now, we're um, teaching them how to weave. We taught them how to uh, make slings and sling stones. Uh, at one at one point, we made them sling stones from um, was it a silicone mix, and then eventually we actually got them to make sling stones out of uh, red dirt and black sand, and that one was really interesting too because when you use those methods, they take time, and th that that patience that we instilled in them, it really helps them out to be, you know, to know that they can be dealing with these issues and really strengthening themselves um, because they're grounded in their culture. So it's really been giving them different alternatives other than what you usually see with kids their age too, like, you know, vaping or... Uh, <laughs> TikToks even, even though TikToks are still pretty popular with them, they definitely like to uh, incorporate a little bit of their uh, cultural knowledge into it. They'll do a little uh, cultural dancing with their TikToks uh, or even uh, use small songs, which has been really awesome because you definitely don't see that uh, as often. So, yeah, with these kids, they they're really able to understand 
where our people come from, uh, what issues or what struggles we've been through. And especially in this time right now, where everything is, uh, you know, everyone's at home. You don't get those uh, social interactions as much. Um, they're, they're really finding that these things that they can do at home, stuff that's just right outside their door, like maybe if they have palms in their yard or whatever, they'll understand they can take that and put their energy into weaving and really be able to deal with the problems that they have from school or uh, their family life. Um, <clears throat> yeah, so it's just, it's been a really um, empowering journey, inspiring as well, not only for myself, but just to see that um, the youth are really taking initiative to carry out the culture, perpetuate it, and that that perspective of viewing their culture has really shifted as well, where they feel such pride in knowing who they are and knowing their language, knowing their ancestors. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, so another thing that really helped me out was I moved back to Guam from uh, Seattle in 2017 and around that time I already uh, started volunteering for Independent Guahan and just from going to the general assemblies that Independent Guahan put out uh, I was able to you know really equip myself with the knowledge to understand our political status. So just, yeah, having those resources available was so important. And I see that too with uh, others my age that maybe a couple of years ago, they wouldn't have ever considered those issues. I absolutely didn't as a, a growing up. I, I'm obviously, I'm only Filipino. But <laughs> uh, that being said, I, I do understand that that is something we don't really take into account. And it's really nice to see you guys um, taking that step forward. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, that's that's something, too, is that the educational material that we're providing as a group is not just meant for tomorrows. So, of course, we're, we're trying to be uh, inclusive of everyone on island so that we can come together as a community and really understand uh, the issues that affect all of us and see where it's rooted in and you know, tracing back that history and seeing like, oh, you know, uh, there's so many homeless now uh, because of this. You know, having those resources available, especially on a digital platform, is something that it's really, it's really, uh, it's really useful. And especially um, the diaspora community, like people that tomorrow's that have been in the states for how long already they're able to access uh that material and really learn more yeah it's mostly like how we can learn english here it's our primary language right because it's readily available we can all learn it real easily so knowing that with this digital age that's pretty cool that everything can essentially be 
right there in your hands, in the palm of your hands, or computer screen. And it's been crazy, too, in this past, uh, what, three months, four months now, we've seen, like, a big jump in our viewership uh, with our general assemblies and even the Fanatu podcasts. Sometimes we're up to, like, 6,000, something like that. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> and then, yeah, so even not only, like, educational stuff that we're able to provide, but we even are able to highlight, um, like, Chamorro artists that, you know, otherwise don't have that platform for them to get their music out or have a space where they feel comfortable uh, doing the, whatever songs they're doing or dances they're doing. So it's really, uh, it's really vital to our community, like, being able to empower them. <clears throat> and, um, yeah, so we also had, uh, was it the Songs of Freedom? Me and Raiden were talking about that earlier. Right, right. Yeah. I, I remember um, bringing that up uh, just before we got on air. That that was something that was, uh, I think, was very well done, especially in the culture that we have now and the situation we're in, obviously, in the past couple of days, excuse me, months. Mm. Uh, you know, it's hard to, to see what we want to see. And, you know, we maybe get bogged down by a lot of the things that are happening and all of the news. That was really cool to see because I was worried it wasn't going to happen. But knowing that it did happen, and when it did, phenomenal. You guys did a fantastic job with Songs of Freedom. Yeah, no, we were definitely so excited to put that out. It was... You're so nervous. <laughs> He's so nervous. You guys, you guys can't even see his face. It's like uh, it's like Fanutzan, and it's like rainy season. <laughs> <laughs> relax, Call, relax. Calling me okay. out. Calling me out. <laughs> yeah, no, no. So, so you'll just relax. You're okay. Don't worry. But yeah, um, yeah. We were so excited to put that out. Um, especially uh, the past few years, we've had it at Adaloop, but then for it to be digital uh, live stream, mm -hmm. and then even just being there as for people to go to uh, on our Facebook, um, it was it was just so cool that. They're able to see these different artists, and then especially the newer artists that we haven't featured before in the concerts, um, and seeing how young they are too. It's it's really inspiring for sure. Oh, Hungan, I definitely, and I, I appreciate you, Lawrence, telling your some of your background and your story here today because it shows, you know, the importance about about what you're going to talk about with our guests today, right? About education. That one thing that changes is that the way we talk about the past in school, in books, in the media, it's shifted. If we compare, like, um, I know you probably saw on social media there was somebody was passing around one of those old textbooks from right after the war, the social the studies 1950s. Yeah. yeah. So, like, um, you know, it's really cool if you can get your hands on that, but it's not very detailed. Mm. And it's, you know, and but it was something that they created because they didn't have a lot of books or resources. Yeah. And so, but one thing that's changed is that we tell our stories differently. Yes, for sure. And, yeah, even just recently uh, for one of my other history classes, we were going over the Corano Sanchez mm -hmm. version of, of a complete history of Guam, 
which really isn't a complete history of Guam. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, and just looking—you don't even have to read the book to understand it's not a complete history because you look at the table of contents. The ancient society had like twenty pages for it, and then the rest of the chapters were focusing on the Spanish era、mm-hmm. and then U.S.、Mm-hmm. administration, the naval era. And when you see the different sections of that table of contents, you see that they're not small names. They're all focusing on the different,、uh, pretty much colonizers that were、mm-hmm. were here, and that the missionaries, the,、yeah. the governors, the explorers. So yeah. yeah, when you just just looking at that, you see how the narrative was back then, and understanding our history, and then you go up. To today, and we're we're already there. We're we're creating our own narratives. We're able to tell our own stories, and we should continue to tell our own stories. Yeah, and that's why I'm glad that you've got a great lineup here, because、uh, of people to talk to, to sort of to share with us from different perspectives about how we can how we can do that. You know how we can get our stories out there, and what does it mean? You know, when you tell your story and when you tell it in a profound way, in an empowering way, what does it mean for your future? And so, yeah. So、uh, we do have our first guest on the line.、Uh, this is Samantha Barnett. She is also a member of Independent Guan,、um, and she is currently earning her master's degree right now. And so she has her PhD. Yeah,、Sorry. that's right. <laughs> And、uh, she she definitely has、uh, had her experience in education. I know she just came back from Hawaii.、Uh, unfortunately, her time over there was a little cut short because of COVID.、Um, so she did have her experience in、uh, being a TA over there. And yeah, we'd love to hear more from her. So. Okay, hey, Hafidi. Thanks for having me on the show.、Um, it's great that you guys have this platform going, and I'm kind of excited for all the conversations that are going to come from this. But、um, just kind of jumping off of your conversation about like our histories and like what stories are told within even like the limited like written resources that we have. I'm on a textbook project, and I think my get is too for Yoji Press, where we're trying to write. Um, basically, like all elementary school textbooks, but from a more like rooted Chamorro perspective. So, like history books that will be taught in our schools that actually like center us and our people,、um, and like of course engage with like our colonial histories and everything we've been through, but with much more of a focus on our perspective、um, and even like the stories that we have in common with indigenous peoples in different parts of the world. Because I think that's also super important. Like a lot of the times when we're learning about our history in school, it's always just in comparison with the United States, and never really like looking around us, like who's here in the Pacific. But even just like there are indigenous communities around the world that have、um, gone through really similar struggles that we have, and have similar like cultural protocols and values that we have as well. So there's just so much like power that we can learn from their stories and. I'm just really excited to be on this writing project now because I think it's really this transformative opportunity for us、um, to kind of begin to tap into these stories that haven't ever had this space in our schools before. Yeah, for sure. You know, I, I definitely agree.、Um, and bringing, going back to your point about、uh, bringing these stories、uh, around the Pacific, 
you know, to attention, like, because we we always think, at least from my perspective, we always think we we're part of this American family, mm-hmm. but then when you really think about it, we have way more connections with other people in the the Pacific, and it's it's something that we can really, you know, unite in our experiences and understand what we're going up against and also looking at those Pacific nations Mm -hmm. that have uh, already self-determined. They already chose their political status and how they want to govern themselves. So it's, you know, it's something that is really vital to our path to now to decolonization and understanding our perspective, especially in this part of the world. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I think that there's so much work that Independent Guahan in particular has done in the community for really, like, community-centered, accessible education, like, just in terms of the general assemblies that we have every month, like, looking at model nations, um, a lot of which are in the Pacific that are independent, and, like, you're saying how they've governed, like, really having that opportunity to realize that independence isn't this, like, abstract kind of political future, but, like, it's a reality for people who are way closer to us than the United States and who have way more in common with us and our environment and our people than, like, some country that many of us have never even been to. So just, like, looking around, and also I think I'm just really inspired at the way a lot of us are kind of taking our education back into our own hands, like the work that Independent Guah is doing, the work that many people in our community are doing to have, like, accessible, like, oftentimes free Chamorro language classes. Like, there's just so much resurgence where we're able to take um, an, an institution, like, as colonial as education or as the university and put it back into the hands of our people and into the hands of our youth, especially. Yeah, I mean... What comes to mind for me is, you know, really breaking down those that colonial framework uh, that we often see in academia and, yeah, reclaiming it. And then even just challenging all these narratives that have been told about our people. Like, right. Yeah, you know, really, yeah, like you said, bring it back to the people and give them those tools to be able to create our own stories and mm-hmm. really create our own education system as well that's... Pacific Island centered rather than being a Eurocentric perspective. Yeah. And that to me, I think, is like the future of education. Like the university as a model, like, feels really outdated in so many ways or just inaccessible. Like, for my experience, like, there was never a year that I was in college or like now in grad school where I haven't been like, how am I going to pay for this? Like, at the beginning of every semester, like, it was just been a constant struggle to like, figure out financial aid, like, working multiple jobs, like, just to be in school, and then, like, the debt that I have, and, like, I'm probably going to have for the rest of my life, like, after this, and just, like, there has to be a better way that we can have education than the university, and I think, like, yeah, just the way that our people right now are really reclaiming it, and kind of, like, saying, like, hey, the university is a model, like, can be transformed and it's something that we can do like every day and starting now yeah definitely yeah you really think about how expensive education is yeah and especially you know for there to be a tomorrow studies program but then maybe a good amount of tomorrows won't be able to afford it because Mm -hmm. of how expensive it is Mm -hmm. you know it's like so what's the purpose if the people that it's meant for can't even participate you know yeah 
And I think even, like, this whole thing with COVID and the pandemic is also an opportunity for us to, like, transform education in a way that works for us. Because, like, what we're seeing now with, like, everything moving online and, like, on Zoom, like, a lot of that is just, like, not possible for so many people here. Like, not having, lab, uh, like, access to laptops or, like, steady internet connection and just, like, how we're trying to remake education into something that's online but, like, still isn't, like, working for us. So I think, like, with the pandemic and with us, like, realizing that we have a huge problem with, like, access to education and all of that is just becoming so much more stark and visible, like, during this whole global crisis kind of forces us to rethink, like, the limits of our education system right now and, like, what can we do to make education a place where we're, like, being equipped with the tools that we need to, like, meet the challenges of the world and the way the world is changing so much around us. Yeah, because, yeah, I... Yeah, going back to your point about how, you know, so, some of these students don't have those devices to right. be attending classes. And we've seen that in the community already where I think there is a, a drive going on mm -hmm. uh, to be able to provide all those uh, technical equipment. And even uh, within my work at uh, Nafa Malik, yeah. um, you see that these, these students, they, they have their cell phones and whatever, but then... Even that online learning is just not something they look forward to. Yeah. It, it kind of, at a time where, where our spirits are kind of low already, it's kind of being dragged down as well with that con constant, uh, uh. you know, that constant obligation to have to sit in front of a screen. And then at the same time, it's, it's putting um, our community at a disadvantage because we're not able to make those connections that we usually do. Right. Because, like, even my siblings are a lot younger. Like, I have... One of my siblings is only five, and, like, kindergarten, you know, like, especially that age when you're that young, like, you're supposed to be together and, like, learning in person and, like, trying out different things and just to try to have that online, like, in a model of education that's already hard for so many kids, like, just being made to sit through hours and, like, stare at a screen. So I think there's also opportunities to think, like, how can we incorporate, like, more land-based learning back into education, like, having kids, like have these relationships with land like be outside and just moving away from this model that isn't working but also that isn't accessible and like because that seems like a model of like genuine decolonization to me is like really prioritizing our youth and what their needs are yes exactly i totally agree with you on that because yeah and what i try to implement especially with the kids that i work with yeah. um is this the sense of tinsuli and really focusing on that value of tinsuli and what i really hope that they uh learn from that lesson is that you know not only is tinsuli between people but it's between the land and the ocean yeah it's really focusing on that connection that you have with the place that you're living in and especially uh the island's that we're living in and we're the indigenous people of these islands okay. you know it's it's so important that they understand that and understand that not only is the environment just people on the land but yeah it, yeah. it encompasses what's around us and it seems just like with like i've been thinking a lot about what's happening in the u.s right now or in california and the west coast with like the fires being out of control and like mm. all this kind of like climate chaos coming to a head like we're in such a moment where like there's it's an emergency and like we need to learn how to like be able to sustain ourselves where we're at and like 
it's in a moment where like we really need to get back to prioritizing like indigenous relationships to the land and like how we and like indigenous people all over the world like know how to care for our land in a way that like wouldn't lead to it being destroyed like this so and i think there is like more stuff happening now within the pandemic like more focus on food sovereignty and like the work that um like wahan sustainable is doing and other orgs to like focus on like getting food to our people and like reestablishing this connection with the land which really is like the only way we're going to survive yeah and i think too that especially at this time that everyone's spending at home it's like mm-hmm. the perfect time to create your home gardens and yeah especially when i first moved back that's something i wanted to really focus on was uh taking the cost away from my family spending and being able to grow like vegetables that um are easily grown so like for example green onions i just put them in the plastic cup or whatever just cut you know cut the top off of them then stick the roots in and that was able to cut the cost at least for green onions for a while you know um but yeah so it's just it's just so inspiring to continue to see um how uh it's so empowering and inspiring to see how our people are really shifting their mindset and uh, really shifting the way that they're thinking about the environment and then thinking of the cultural values that are so important to us as well. Hey, sorry, I think I got cut off. Samantha, you can go ahead and continue. Hi. Oh, I'm sorry. What was the last thing that was said? Oh, okay. <laughs> sorry. Uh, no, I think um, I caught you on the end of the sentence, and I wasn't sure where we were. Yeah, so, I, no, I was just uh, talking about, um, yeah, just, like, how I implemented, like, uh-huh. gardening into my own lifestyle when I first moved back, and, yeah, just cutting the cost from my family, just yeah. being able to grow green onions, uh, papaya, bananas, uh-huh. whatever. You know, and really reconnecting to the land and understanding that relationship that we should be having. Yeah, absolutely. And then I think it's just hopefully like this will be a moment going forward where we're forced we're forced to really think about like what kind of transformations are needed. And like, um, there's this one article that I read by this author I really enjoy. Um, her last name is Roy, but she was talking about how like the pandemic can be this moment that's like a portal. And, like, we have to really think of, like, how can we go through this and emerge with something that's transformative instead of just, like, regressing back to, like, what it was like before. And then we're hearing a lot about, like, people saying, like, oh, this is a new normal, but, like, how can we really harness that into something that is empowering for us? Yeah, for sure. I feel like we should definitely start to incorporate more indigenous ways of thinking, Mm -hmm. more indigenous systems to be able to you know, bring about a world that isn't like the one that was before COVID. You know? Yeah. Because we, we start to see what really is important in this time. And, you know, it, it just gives you a different mindset as to what you've prioritized prior to this. Definitely. And I think COVID too, like in terms of colonization is really like eliminating like exactly where 
the pitfalls are for us, like, as a colony, and just, like, the lack of control or agency that we really have, like, over how the situation played out, like, not being able to, like, close the ports earlier, not being able to, like, provide for our people, the whole situation with, like, the military not being transparent about, like, their COVID cases and then, like, community spreads and just, like, our lack of food sovereignty in this moment as well. Like, I just really hope that we're using, that this can be an opportunity for people to realize, like, the pandemic of colonialism that we've been in is just being exacerbated by like the pandemic of covid yeah so that's so true and yeah yeah and then you just look at the other pacific nations that mm-hmm. haven't had covid yet and you see why they haven't they've been able to control uh their cases or exactly yeah. but yeah sam i would like to thank you again for calling in um it was a great conversation with you awesome thank you Thank you, Sam. That was Samantha Barnett and Michael Michael Luhan Bavakwa and Lawrence Lazama are in the studio right now. And we're going to continue this talk with Independent Guahan coming up uh, right after this short break. We'll be right back with more of Independent Guahan here on Hit Radio 100.